As you know, a month or so ago, we were able to have Keith Lancaster of Acapella here for a Praise and Harmony Songfest workshop. And that was such a blessing, and we're still learning these songs. But I can tell you this, we haven't said this much, and we haven't certainly said it enough, but the guy that's leading singing today, Kelly Ross, is the guy that really made that special. And he made it happen for us by helping us to learn these songs ahead of time, reminding us to try to teach them to each other, teaching them ourselves. He was the one who was leading us in those and leading singing classes, leading singing nights, simply so that we could get everything we could out of that wonderful workshop and so that we would have a chance to be able to move forward and continue to work on these songs and develop these songs because these are songs that are very, very special to a whole generation of kids and adults that we're very, very concerned about. So, Kelly, thank you, brother. I appreciate you, my friend, uh, very, very much. Uh, he, more than anyone else, uh, helped us to be ready and to appreciate and to get the most out of that wonderful workshop. Um, on Sunday mornings, we are going through the book of Philippians. We'll close this study out next week with the last half of Philippians chapter 4. But today we'll be in um, the first part of Philippians 4, and it's some of the most familiar scriptures in the New Testament, actually. Uh, there's one in Philippians 4.13 that we'll see next week, in context, by the way. But there are a few others that are in these first nine verses of Philippians 4 that we are going to look at. And before closing this epistle of joy, and that's what this is, this Philippians is an epistle of joy. Before closing it out, Paul gives several quick hits to summarize his message. These nine verses are really that. They're really a summary of what he said already and a little bit of uh, putting it all together in one concise passage. And that's a good thing because it's hard to live a joyful life today. As I titled this series from Philippians, that's what I titled it, Living a Joyful Life. And it's hard for us to do that today. And we forget sometimes, well, I wonder about uh, what is it that makes it so easy for the people in New Testament times versus me today in 21st century America. And we forget little things like history. <laughs> we forget little things like what was going on in their lives at the time. And we only have to consider the author of this letter and what he had been through and what he was going through at the time. Paul and his mission journeys had experienced all kinds of physical and emotional pain and punishment because of his faith. He had been stoned and left for dead. He had been beaten. He had been flogged. He had been in prison. And he was under house arrest in Rome at this time. And as we know from the very first chapter, he had already said, I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of this alive or not. And I'm good either way to live as Christ to die is gain. And so Paul recognized that and he realized that. And what Paul tells us is the outward external living circumstances that we're under today, they can't take away our joy unless, what? We let them. The only way they can take away our joy is if we forget the source of that joy and the purpose of our lives that we saw Last week in Philippians chapter 3. This is an epistle of joy. And before closing it out, Paul gives us this great summary in Philippians 4 verses 1 through 9. And see if you don't recall some of these verses. 
Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. I plead with Euodia and I plead with Syntyche to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are in the book of life. Verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pause for prayer. Father, thank you for this great word. Thank you for your servant, Paul, that in the midst of the most difficult of circumstances as this world sees it. He had an unflinching joy and a desire, Father, to serve you faithfully and to share your word and your love and your joy with others. Help us, Father, to hear this word and to do the same today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So don't get scared that the sermon's going to be long. It's not... Well, any longer than normal. That's how about that? Nine points I know is a lot, but I promise we're not going to dwell on each of them. We'll get there. We have Raising Cain's chicken to get to. Number one is stand firm faithfully. Stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Based on everything he's already said, stand firm in the way, in this way that I've talked to you about. And we think of that great passage in Ephesians 6 and the, uh, the, the armor of God. Stand firm and use these weapons. Use this armor to stand firm and to do that exact thing. And Paul recognizes how hard this is. And, that, and he had already acknowledged that in chapter 1 when he said, Hey, I'm not sure if I'm going to survive or not, but as we said earlier, to live is Christ, to die is gain. And I love the way Wade put it in the prayer. One foot in the world and one foot in the spiritual world. And if we had both feet in either world, it would be so much easier. (laughs) But that's not where we are right now. Where we are right now is one foot in this world and one foot in that spiritual world. And it puts us in conflict with everyone around us that doesn't share this faith. And it also puts us in conflict with ourselves. Because in this physical world, we have temptations and we have desires and we have things that are pulling us away from the call of God. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord in this way. He's going to use that phrase, in the Lord, a few times in this passage. Stand firm faithfully. In the Lord, be faithful throughout your life. Number two, unity, even in conflict. That's verses two and three. 
And boy, I want to tell you, I want to know the rest of the story here. I'm leading Paul Harvey to come and tell me about this conflict between these two godly Christian women leaders. Paul calls them his co-workers, Euodia and Syntyche. And for some reason or another, they were at odds with each other. I, I, I almost didn't even think that I should share this part of the passage because we don't have anything like that ever here at West Irwin with our workers. Never. That's a reality. You have two strong women here who are godly women, who are active Christian women, workers in the faith. And we don't know what their conflict is. I kind of want to (laughs) know. But we don't know because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what it is. It's just like ours. That's what it is. And Paul encourages his other co-worker, his companion, and we don't know exactly who that is either. Along with Clement, and this is the only time he's mentioned in Scripture, and so we don't know who that is either. There's a historical Clement that was a Christian leader, but not sure that this is that one. And again, that doesn't matter. Help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel. Help them to be of the same mind in the Lord. Unity doesn't mean uniformity, and unity doesn't mean the absence of conflict. Everything I read today from those who work with churches and consult with churches and talk to church leaders, one of the marks that they have in common, always they say the mark of a healthy church, there are several of them, but one of them is always this, they handle and manage conflict in a healthy way. Not that they don't have conflict But they handle it in a healthy way. And that's what Paul does here. And that's what he wants the church at Philippi to do. To deal with it directly. Seems like Jesus said somewhere, if you have trouble with a brother or sister, do what? Go on the internet and tell everyone. Start calling up all your friends and getting your team together that will take your side. What does he say? If you have trouble with a brother or sister, what? Go to that person. And if that doesn't work, then you have permission to tell it. Nope. If that doesn't work, then you take a couple of trusted, faithful, humble servants with you. And you work it out. And that doesn't mean that you end up agreeing with each other. It doesn't mean that at all. If there's one thing that the letters in the New Testament tell us, it's that those churches had issues. And it never says that you should all believe the same exact theme on every significant, every specific, rather doctrinal issue. It says you need to have unity. And that's what Paul expresses here for Euodia and Syntyche. Unity, even in conflict. Even in conflict. Number three, joy. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. This could be the theme verse of the passage of the book. Rejoice in the Lord when things are going your way. Rejoice in the Lord when the bank account is full. Rejoice in the Lord when the doctor comes back with good favorable news. Rejoice in the Lord when your political party is in power. Rejoice in the Lord Always, and let me tell you something about this word. In both cases, rejoice is in the imperative. It is commanded. 
We don't have the option to be sad, miserable Christians. <laughs> and it's a shame that the Holy Spirit thinks I've got to command them to do this, but that's where we are. That's where we are. And I realize I'm not sure that you can even command that. <laughs> Because it needs to be something that comes natural. If we believe everything that's gone on here already today. Everything Wade prayed about in that wonderful prayer. What Bill shared around the Lord's table. These wonderful songs. This wonderful amazing ministry that we're going to have the opportunity to be a part of next month. In this workshop. The joy that we saw in Tucker as he welcomed us. Every part of that. If we believe that. How can we not rejoice? And Paul tells us exactly how. To do this, rejoice, what? In the Lord. In the Lord. We rejoice in the Lord. It's an imperative. We rejoice in the Lord no matter what. And again, if you haven't heard the sermon from last Sunday, go online and listen to that. Because it's from Philippians 3, and Paul says, This one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining towards what's ahead, what? I press on. I press on. That's our purpose, pressing on towards that heavenly home, that promise of heaven that Wade shared about in that prayer. If we have this forgiveness of sins, how can we not rejoice? How can we not rejoice? And I realize that most everyone in this room and perhaps watching online are people who have joy and people who rejoice. But can you do me a favor? Could you please tell your face? That would be really great. If everyone that sees you didn't think you had just lost your last friend. We can smile. Is it okay for Christians to smile? Is it okay for Christians to laugh? A lot of you laugh at my sermons. You don't laugh at the right times, I've noticed. We should be the most joyful people on the earth because we are the most blessed. We have that forgiveness of sins. We have that promise of heaven. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Number four is gentleness. Gentleness that people can see. It's also translated reasonableness, moderation, graciousness, forbearance. People see that in us and it's one of those difference makers as we've heard this morning already. It looks different because we're gentle. We're patient. We're gracious. Number five, prayer from verse six in every situation. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead, here's what you do instead of that. In every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, also known as pray. <laughs> Don't be anxious, pray. Now, let me tell you what this doesn't mean before I say what it does mean. It doesn't mean that if you'll just pray about it, everything will be better and all your troubles will go away. You want an example of that? The Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> Jesus prayed all night. And his earthly physical problems, the emotional pain he was about to go through, wasn't taken away. But it was replaced with joy, the writer of Hebrews says, for the joy set before him. He endured that pain and suffered that great loss for us. We are to pray in every situation. And what it does mean is that we trust God. You don't pray to somebody that's lesser than you. You pray to someone that's greater than you. And that one is God. And so we trust him. We pray what Jesus told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer. Thy will be done. We pray what Jesus himself prayed 
in the Garden of Gethsemane that night, thy will be done. I tell you, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand going on in the world today. And as I have prayed, I have found myself praying more and more and more. Dear God, may your will be done. And I don't know what in the world that is, but you do. And I trust you. Prayer in every situation. Peace beyond understanding. I've got the peace that passes understanding down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Yeah, we'll probably sing that at the next kid's time. Peace. You see that trust, that joy, that gentleness, that faithfulness, that prayer, that leads to peace. And it's the only place you can get it. Jesus says, I give you my peace. I don't give it like the world gives it. Because if they had looked at Jesus, if they had looked at the Apostle Paul, if they had looked at those early first century Christians, they would say, there's no way you can be at peace. Everybody's trying to kill you. But they had peace. Not as the world gives. Because that peace depends on what's going on around you. This peace doesn't. This peace is something that the Holy Spirit of God gives to us inside of our hearts. That whatever's going on out there in the world can't take away. Can't threaten can't budge. This piece is not a denial of the difficulties. Nowhere in Scripture would you get that idea if you would just read it. But it is an affirmation that says, in the midst of the difficult situation I am in, I have peace. That the world doesn't even understand. Peace beyond understanding. Number seven, thoughts that are worthy. Thoughts that are worthy of praise. All those things in that verse, in verse eight, whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy. Think about those things. Let me ask you, what do you think about these days? What's on your mind? What do you worry about? What are you anxious about? And you say, well, it's a lot of bad things, Bill. I got to admit, okay, how can I change that, Bill? Well, what comes in? (laughs) What are you letting in? Through TV, through radio, through the internet, through uh, the podcast, through whatever it is. How can we let all of those things in and then not expect them to have an effect on us? Think about these things. Ask yourself, is, is what I'm listening to, is what I'm watching, is what I'm doing right now, is that like this? Is that excellent or praiseworthy? Does it help me do these things better? And if the answer is no, stop it. Stop it. Number eight, actions. Belief put into practice. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. This living with lost workshop is a great example of that. Everywhere in the Old Testament and the New Testament, including the Gospels of Jesus Christ, the Lord commands us to take care of the widows and the orphans and others who are in need, in physical and emotional distress and difficult circumstances. Everywhere it's there. Here's a great opportunity for us to help those who are doing that and to find out how we can help them better. I hope you'll come to that and be a part of that. But that's just one way of so very many that this church puts our belief and our faith and our trust into practice. Faith without works is dead, the brother of Jesus said in James 2. We are to put our beliefs into practice. Actions. Number nine, assurance. And this is assurance that only the God of peace can give. And the God of peace will be with you. 
In a moment, we'll sing the song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. And that's the only place you can find that blessed assurance. And that's from Jesus Christ. Bill shared as we gathered around the table that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for us who did not deserve it is a great demonstration of His love. Exactly what Paul says in Romans 5. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How can we not have assurance when the Son of God did something so wonderful for us? Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. Only the God of peace can give that assurance. So before we close, let's sum up Paul's summary. How about that? Instead of nine points, let's just do three. Number one, be joyful. Be joyful. Let's all practice. Ready? (laughs) Be joyful. Be joyful. Some of you have pretty good smiles. A few of you, in the eight years I've been here, it's the first time I... No, I'm not going to say that. Be joyful. Number two, be prayerful. Be prayerful. Instead of worrying, instead of being scared and frightened, pray. And then worry and be scared and frightened, but not as badly. Because you found peace. Number three is thrive in God's peace. Thrive in God's peace. Let's say those together out loud. Are you ready? Be joyful. Be prayerful. Thrive in God's peace. I don't think some of you believe me that I really wanted you to say that out loud. Okay, let's try it again. Ready? One more time. Are you ready? Be joyful. Be prayerful. Thrive in God's peace. Not just survive. If we're dependent upon the world, that's all we can do. That's the best we can hope for is survive. But in Jesus Christ, we can thrive. Whatever the circumstances. We are promised His presence, which is what makes all this possible. And the God of peace will be with you. That's how this passage ends. Jesus said, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We hear in other places, God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. This morning, if you need that peace, if you need that joy, if you need what we're going to sing about, that blessed assurance, because you need Jesus, we want to help. Come as we stand. Sing this great hymn together.